How was your Christmas, by the way? Good? I can see everybody's looking good, so which means you had a good Christmas. I, I don't know how many of you, I was chatting to Steph earlier and she was telling me how they have lots of Christmas traditions. And I don't know how many of you have Christmas traditions. What sort of traditions do you have for Christmas? Someone shout out. We take the wrapping paper and screw them up and throw them into snowballs. Wow. <laughs> what about when there is no snow? No, we use the wrapping paper. A snow. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> Brian? Wow, that's a good one. <laughs> good. Any other Christmas tradition? We make frozen presents after we've had dinner. Oh. <laughs> oh. That's a long wait. <laughs> good. So, you know, we have various uh, Christmas traditions. I'm not a type of a person who keeps <laughs> Christmas traditions. <laughs> Really, but there is there is a one 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 verse in the Bible or a, a reading in the Bible that I have a tradition of reading it over Christmas, either on Christmas Day or just after Christmas. And this tradition, kind of, if you call it, was probably installed in my heart by my dad, who used to to read because we would have as a family have a big overnight service at home on 24th into 25th. So then after Christmas, we are tired, we've had food. So we, we, we wouldn't have a long service on Christmas at home. So that would tend to read this part of the scripture almost every 25th or 26th. And it's just something that I almost always do during a Christmas. I have to read it at some point during Christmas. But honestly speaking, I've read it kind of as a practice, but I've never really dug deep and really clearly thought about the richness of the text. And the text I'm going to share with you today is from the book of Luke, chapter 2, from verses 22. And I'm just going to read. I'm going to read a little bit of a long reading that one I, that, than what I normally read, so that we all get the context of what we are reading from. So picture this. This is after Christmas, after Jesus has been born. He has been circumcised. And this is now 40 days after he was born. So we pick up the story from Luke 2.22. The Bible says, When the time came for the purification rites, Required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be concentrated to, consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two pigeons. Now there was a man, this is the part I always read, now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout, he was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen 
the Lord Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, you have promised, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel, to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword shall pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after the, their marriage, and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who are looking forward to the redemption of Israel. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was on him. I love this text. Now, just thinking through this text for a couple of days, I've realized the richness of God's love towards us. And it has even been expressed this morning in our worship by God speaking over us on just how much he loves each one of us. And Jesus said, when he started his ministry later, he said that he has come to fulfill the law and not to do away with it. And we see Jesus fulfilling the law in this text, even as a young baby. Jesus was brought into the temple to observe the custom of the law of Moses. He went through all the rituals and all the rites according to the book of Leviticus chapter 12. He did not come to condemn the law, but he came to fulfill it. And so we see Mary and Joseph being obedient parents, bringing up Jesus in the temple so that he can receive the blessings of the Lord and to concentrate him, to consecrate him. That word is difficult. <laughs> to give him out to the Lord. And just one thing before even I go on. I must say that there is a parallel here, a parallel between the old and the new. We find the new meeting the old. Jesus coming in as the new covenant of God, but joining with the old customs and traditions that was there in observing the law of Moses. Another, another connection that we can see here, we see a man by the name Simeon and a, and a woman by the name Anna 
who are from the old covenant, who are from the old law, we see them receiving Jesus, who is the new covenant. Which emphasizes the fact that Jesus did not come to do away with the law, but he's coming to fulfill it. And this is evident in the way Simeon, who was a devout Christian, who, who was a devout Jew, who had learned about the law, who had looked about, uh, around the law of Moses, and they knew everything that governs the law of Moses, we see him receiving Jesus, who is the new covenant, who is the new law, and receiving him on. We see also Anna doing the same. So, and that is why for a period that has passed, for a couple of months, I think three months, we have been looking into the Old Testament, looking into the Old Testament in the eyes of Jesus, trying to find Jesus in the Old Testament. Because the old is not gone, but the old is made into new. And they all become one under Jesus Christ. So let me speak a little bit about Mary and Joseph. Mary and Joseph, being obedient parents, bring the baby Jesus to the altar. They were keeping what had been taught to them. They were keeping the covenant kind of that God had made that every son or every child will be brought to the altar if it is a son 40 days after he is born. And if it is a girl, around 70 days after they are born. Now she has gone through all the rites and she is bringing the child to the, to the altar. Now one thing we notice as Mary and Joseph bring the child to the altar, the Bible says that they had to bring something with the child. You couldn't just come to the altar of the Lord empty-handed. So according to Leviticus 12, they had to bring, if it is a son, they had to bring a lamb with them. And if you were poor, God had considered that some people would not be able to afford a lamb. So he had said that, according to Leviticus 12, he had said, if you are poor, you can bring a dove or you can bring pigeons. So when we see Mary and Joseph walking into the temple with with, with, with pigeons or with doves, we can conclude that they were poor because they couldn't afford to bring a lamb to the altar. Now, for those of you who also study deep these things, bear in mind that at this time, the, the three wise men have not yet visited Jesus because if they would have visited Jesus, Mary had been given gold and ma and frankincense, and you will be wondering, she seems to be stingy. Why is she not, you know, bringing something substantial? Yet she was given some really expensive gifts. Why do I, how do I know that the wise men had not visited? Because remember, the wise men told them not to go back to Jerusalem, which means they had already been to Jerusalem, and that is why they were warned, don't go back there, but go the other way. And so, as Mary brings what she had to the Lord, it is still received by our God the same way as he would receive a lamb that is being brought to the altar. But even as I was thinking that, I was reminded that 
in reality, in real sense, in all the spiritual sense, what gift Mary brought to the altar was greater than any lamb or any precious gift that she would have brought. Because Mary, without her knowing, she was actually bringing to the altar the Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. So in comparison, she brought to the Lord the biggest gift that anyone would ever bring to the Lord. And that was the Lamb of God who will later take away the sins of the world. I'll pack there Mary and John, Joseph for a while. But just before I pack them, let me ask this. What is our heart? What is our attitude? What is our intention when we come in the presence of God? Mary came with an intention of offering up something to the Lord as a way of thanksgiving, as a way of praise. Now, as earthly parents or as earthly brothers and sisters or as earthly children, we really know how to look after each other, the people that we love. If they've done well, we praise them. How do we do that? We speak kind words towards them. We, talk, we tell them how good they are. If they are dressed nicely, we tell them, you look so beautiful, you look nice, you are dressed smartly. If they have done something nice, we exalt them, we praise them, we appreciate them. Now, this Christmas, I want to bet almost each one of you received a gift or gave a gift. That gift was a token, was an appreciation, was a thank you to the other person who you gave or who you received from to say that, thank you very much for being who you are. And that is the reason why you gave them a gift. Because you want to thank them and say, you are a good daughter, you are a good wife, you are a good brother, you are a good sister. I want to show you how much I love you, how much I care. So even as we go through this next year, I want us to reflect and to think about how we come into the presence of God. Do we come in the presence of God with the same attitude of hearts that are full of thanksgiving to say, oh God, I'm going to really thank you. I'm going to really bless your holy name for what you have done for me. Do we come with an attitude that says, God, I'm going to really praise your holy name wholeheartedly because of what you have done, because of who you are. Because it is the same attitude that we need to come into his presence. Because we know who he is and we know what he has done. And thankfully, Mary and Joseph show us that example. And then we see Simeon. The Bible says that he was a devout man. He was a man who had studied the scriptures. He was a man who had waited, the Bible says, for the consolation of Israel. A bit of history for you. At this time, when this is happening, Israel was not a free state. It was under the dominion and the governorship of Rome. So these guys were being oppressed. These guys were being ruled over. 
And according to prophecy, all those who read the prophecy were looking forward to a Messiah. The Messiah that the Israelites were looking for is not the Messiah that you and I know as Jesus, the Savior of the world. The Messiah that they were looking for was a political king who will fight wars and rescue them from the grasp of the Roman Empire. And day after day, as they were oppressed, they were looking forward to a day that God will raise a king that will fight for them, that will gather the armies of Israel and take them into battle to defeat the Romans and to rule over the land. So even as Simeon was praying through these things, waiting into the scriptures, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit revealed to him that he will not die until he sees this Messiah. Now that is a powerful promise. Imagine something that you are waiting for all your life. Probably Simeon, assuming being an old man at this age, assuming that when Rome took over Israel, he was a young boy. And he saw how much blood was shed. He saw how his family and his people were slaughtered. And he grew up under that rule, under that authority. And then the Holy Spirit comes and speaks to him and tells him, Simeon, you are not going to die until you see the Messiah, the rescuer of Israel. What a joyful day that might have been. What a delight in his heart that might have brought. But the Bible doesn't tell us the period of time in which Simeon had to wait from the time of the promise to the time of fulfillment of that promise. The Bible is silent. But we can just assume or we can just imagine how the waiting must have been in Simeon longing for that moment, prayerfully going into the temple, praying and longing for that moment when the Messiah will come. And we might be here this morning. God has spoken to us, either through his word or through prophetically, of the things that he might do in our lives. And we might be like Simeon at that place whereby for years, for months, for days, we are waiting for the fulfillment of that promise, wondering, when are you, God, going to fulfill this promise in my life? And we wait, and we wait, and we wait, and we are not yet seeing the fulfillment of that promise. And for some of you, you might be even looking and saying, it's just a couple of days before the year ends, yet I am yet to see the fulfillment of the promise of God. I want to bring comfort to your hearts this morning by saying God will fulfill the promise that he has made to you. The promise that he has made to you, the promise that he has made to your family, the promise that he has made in your generation, he will fulfill that promise. Blessed are you whose eyes will see the fulfillment of God's promise. And more blessed are you who will have faith to say that even if my eyes will not see the fulfillment of that promise, I trust God that he will fulfill it. So even as we go into this new year, I want you to take on faith and trust God for his word. 
Just as he has promised us this morning, I am with you as a father. I will come around you and embrace you and lift you up. I will never leave you alone. I want you to have that faith and assurance, regardless of the challenges that this year has brought. The word that God has spoken over you, the promises that he has made into his life, your life, he will fulfill those promises. And blessed are you who will say, by faith, I receive that even if I will not see it with my eyes. So Simeon held on to that promise. And I can just see Simeon day by day waiting for the fulfillment of that promise. But then there came that day when the Bible says in our text that prompted by the Spirit, the same Spirit, He went into the temple. I can't imagine that day when the Holy Spirit kind of just showed his light in Simeon's heart and confirmed into him that this is the day that you're going to see the promise of God. And I can just see Simeon so excited, rushing into the temple to see the promise of God, waiting and looking, who is this that will be king? How will this king look like? What will his appearance be? How will he present himself to the temple? And Simeon is just there at the temple, looking and waiting in anticipation of what God is going to do. But wait. As Simeon is waiting, I see a young girl, a teenage girl, and a young man walking into the temple with a baby in their arms and two doves. They are coming from a distance, walking down the aisle in the temple. And Simeon might be there looking and thinking, who are those? This this is the day that God was to fulfill his promise, but who are those poor young girls And a young man with the pigeons, poor people, walking towards the temple. Please open your eyes here. When God fulfills his promise, sometimes the packaging doesn't come the way you expect. I'm going to say that again because it's really important. When God comes to fulfill his promise, open your eyes, open your heart, be very attentive. Because your view of what God is fulfilling or bringing might not match the vision that he gave you. So be faithful in the small things. Be obedient to the little voices. Because if you ignore the little things, you might miss out the bigger thing that God has in store for you. What if Simeon had said, ah, it's not them. I'm going to go and do other things. Because in the history of mankind at this time, you you have to remember, even up to now, kings didn't come from poor backgrounds. Kings didn't come from poor people. 
So Simeon might have been expecting a sound of trumpets and a sound of horsemen and a sound of chariots and these people with wealth and trumpets and choir singing coming with an entrance into the temple. That might have been his view. But God has other plans. Because when you are faithful in the little things, God uses that to make it greater. And thank God for our sake, Simeon did not ignore. And I can just see Simeon waiting for that confirmation. <clears throat> and the Holy Spirit speaks to his heart and says, Simeon, that is the Messiah. That is the king. And without a doubt, this man comes and he takes this baby and he holds this baby as to the Lord, the baby Jesus. And Simeon just says, oh Lord, now let your servant go in peace. Because my eyes, my eyes have seen the promise of the Lord. A light of salvation to the Gentiles and the people of Israel. Simeon just said, Lord, I've waited. I've grown weary. I've grown old. Now, I can die now in peace. Why? Because I have seen the promise of God. I have seen the fulfillment of the promise with my two eyes. What will you do if God would fulfill his promises in your eyes? What will you do? Those things that are really bothering you, those things that we are, you are really seeking after the Lord, those things that have been really putting you down for years, what will you do? If God was to fulfill that in your eyes. But wait a minute. God has actually fulfilled all his promises in Christ Jesus in our eyes. He has. Pick any promise of God. He has fulfilled it in Jesus. Except one. All the promises of God go from Genesis to Revelation. All of them, God has, has fulfilled them in Christ Jesus, except one. And that is the promise that he will come back again. So my longing, your longing, our longing should be, what if... God fulfills his promise of Jesus coming back now. What will you do? What will I do? If Jesus has to return now, what will you do? Will you be like Simeon who will say, Lord, now I can depart in peace. Or will you be one that will say, 
oh my goodness, I am a little bit late. I haven't done this. I haven't done that. Oh Lord, you send me there. I haven't gone there. Oh my goodness. I thought I was young. I thought the days are still going. I thought things are still, st- what am I going to do? And that is my challenge. And that is your challenge. Are you living for the promise? Forget about all the other troubles that comes with this life. These little, little things and needs that we have. Forget about that. Yes, God is going to fulfill that. But the main promise that he's looking forward to fulfilling in your life is, I'm coming back. And he says he'll come back as a thief. Nobody knows the day or the time. He might come back now. He might come back in a thousand years. But we got to be ready. Church, we got to be ready that when he comes, like Simeon, we will say, Lord, I depart in peace because I have seen the fulfillment of your promise. So I thought for us, even as this year comes to an end, and I thought, maybe there are things that you are waiting on God to fulfill. And you are looking and saying, two days, the year is ending. I was hoping and praying that this will be concluded in this year. If you have things that you are feeling, I really don't want to carry this in the next year, but God has not fulfilled it. I pray that may you exercise faith this morning and say, even, even if I haven't seen it, even though they haven't been fulfilled, but by faith, I know God is going to fulfill them. And even as we go into this new year, let us be those that will live for the promise of God. Let us be those that will live waiting for the fulfillment of that promise. Because he will fulfill it. We can see clearly Simeon, a man who is not afraid to die. And death, sometimes it can be a real threat to us. When we think, when will my end be? Simeon was faithful to the promise. And because he was faithful to the promise, he was free to go in peace. And if all of us can live each day by saying that I'm going to be faithful to the promise, then we are not going to be afraid when death comes knocking on our door because we will know we are ready to go. And if there is one thing that worries me most or scares me most, It's not death, but it's not fulfilling what God has called me to. That worries me. I am happy like Simeon to say, God, let me go in peace. But when I remember, have I done what he has asked me to do? Personally, I feel I lack behind, way, way behind in what he has asked me to do. And it scares me to think my end will come when I haven't fulfilled 
what he has set me to do. And it is my prayer that I will continue digging in every day to fulfill what he has set for me. And it is a journey that all of us, we can walk together to encourage one another, to build each other up, so that day by day, we can fulfill what God has set for us to do. So, I'm going to jump right to the end. And say, the Bible says, Jesus grew and he became strong in favor of God and men. You might be here this morning. You love Christmas. You love the joy of Jesus in a manger. You love the delight of seeing a baby and the joy that the baby brings. But in your life, Jesus has never grown from the manger. He has remained in the manger. Because babies are innocent. Babies are so sweet. Babies don't do much harm. They don't tell you anything that will hurt your feelings or hurt your heart or challenge you. They do what you tell them or do what you want them to do. And that is how Jesus might be in your life. You love Jesus as the baby. You walk with him and take him whenever you want and leave him whenever you don't. You don't really listen to what he, he wants you to do, but you just tell him what you want him to do. Because Jesus has never grown from that baby in a manger. But I want to encourage us. Let us allow the baby to grow. Because Jesus grew, he became strong. He became a man and he died on the cross. So if your mindset is still very young and you are thinking, I love Jesus, I am a Christian, but I can just do what the heck I want. Because this baby, what's the baby going to do? I want to encourage you, allow Jesus to grow in your life. Even as we go into this new year, I want us to encourage one another, to challenge one another to grow. Let us grow in our praise for Jesus. Let us grow in our thanksgiving to Jesus. Let us grow in our worship to Jesus. Let us grow in the love that we have for one another for Jesus. And it, it might take some of us to kind of push ourselves to do the things that we are not comfortable with. You might have someone that you are not comfortable being near, not comfortable talking to. But can you push yourself to say that I am going to push myself to pray for them, push myself to have a conversation with them, push, them, push myself to invite them to my house, push myself to encourage them. And that is how we will all grow. Because that is what the church is for. It is not a long journey. It is a journey that we walk together. It is a personal decision, but it is a journey that we all walk together. So as we go into the new year, let us be a different church. Let us be a church that will be full of thanksgiving, 
full of praise, full of worship, full of love of Christ for each one of us as Christ grows day by day in our lives. Shall we stand?